It's another one. I got that juice, juice. New AP. She got that juice, juice, juice. She got that squeeze, squeeze. She got that wet, wet. I'm on them skis. I got that drip, drip. I'm overseas. Gotta say, it's real good to be back. Uh, welcome to the Juice, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I took a three-week hiatus um, due to the passing, the unexpected passing of my older brother Nick, and uh, it's been it's been rough. Uh, Nick was very, very, very important to me. He was my role model. He was my he was my inspiration when it came to sports. He's the reason this podcast is even a thing. He's the reason why I call this podcast The Juice. I mean, Nick Nick meant a whole lot to me, and he meant the world to me. I, and uh, and the fact that he's gone, I, it's, uh, it, I've struggled with it, but I feel like I'm slowly coming to terms with it, coming to peace with it, knowing that he's in a better place. Uh, it makes It gives me comfort. But uh, I felt like this... I felt like it wouldn't be right to and do an episode without paying tribute to Nick and really what he's meant to me and I'm not really going to go into details about him as like what he meant to me as a brother and how he was my role model I'm really just kind of going going into details of what he meant to this podcast and what he kind of meant to my sports mind and you know why I know why I know so much and why I'm so knowledgeable and why I care so much about sports so for starters this podcast um Nick Nick lived with our family for a year uh, from, af- well, after college. He lived with our family for a year, for, I think, twenty from 2018, tw- March of 2018 to June of 2019. And uh, in that stretch, Nick and I really grew closer. And one thing that we always bonded over was sports. See, when Nick was like, when Nick would visit us, like, when he was in college, it wouldn't be for very long periods of time, and I was younger, and I didn't know as much about sports, but I was a freshman around this time, and I could truly able, I was truly able to talk to him a lot about sports, and, uh, the more we talked, and the more he schooled me, see, Nick was, I feel like, I always feel like I'm the smartest person in any room I can, when I'm talking about sports, but Nick was always one step ahead. He, you know, sometimes made me feel stupid, sometimes informed me about stuff, and whenever he informed me about stuff and told me something that I didn't know, then he would he would let me know. And he was very cocky about that stuff. And so yeah, Nick Nick made me Nick made me more knowledgeable as a sports mind and really, you know, gave me someone that was, you know, tough to debate. You know, there's a lot of people that I talk to about sports, you know, whether it's one of my friends, whether it's some family members, but Nick was always number one. I mean I could talk to him about sports, feel smarter, you know, feel like I learned something, but I'd all it also be a it'll also be a tough conversation just because he I knew that he knew more than me, and usually I don't feel like that whenever I'm talking to people about sports, but he was different, and like he was always one step ahead of me, and I always tried to be like him, and I always tried to be as knowledgeable as him, but I could never come quite close. Uh, but. Nick always respected my knowledge, and he noticed that I liked watching Colin Coward. You know, I like I was very interested in the career path that Colin Coward had. You know, being a sports media personality, being a sports television host, being you know doing stuff like that. And he told me, I remember he said, Bruce, like 
it's not hard to make a podcast. And I know you want to do this, so, like, why not make a podcast? He was he had a podcast at the time, Nick at Night. Why can't I make one? I actually think I made it before him, but, you know, he had, start, he had had the idea of doing a podcast for a while. He said, why don't you make one? So I did, and he said, we got to come up with a name for this. And I think Caden Scheibel was also here when um, we made this name. And we, we were racking our brains, and, you know, I don't know how it came up, but I think he said... Why not the juice or like juice? So like we were thinking of things that rhymed with Bruce, and uh, that kind of spat out. And I was like, I love it, and it's it's caught on. I, it's my it's a big nickname for me, and it's the name of this podcast. Like it's a it is a popular popular name, and I owe a lot of that to Nick because I owe a lot of that to Nick. Like he made a name that stuck. It's kind of hard. It's hard to do that. Like. It's hard to think of a catchy nickname, a catchy podcast name. Like, you really got to rack your brain, and he just thought of it in a snap. So I made the podcast, and he was a guest on a few of them, although those are not longer, no longer on air, which I really regret, just because I, I, I really hated my voice in the podcast. I really hated how I talked in those podcasts. Like, I just wasn't as fluid as I am right now. But Nick always helped me out. Nick always gave me advice. Nick always, you know, supported me, supported my podcast. And I said this in my speech at the church at his funeral that whenever I feel like, you know, I, I try to I try to upload one once a week, but sometimes I just hit mental blocks and I just, you know, I, f- I just don't feel like some sometimes uploading a podcast because you know, my my viewership is going down. Sometimes I'll be getting less than ten viewers a podcast. I'm just like, why am I why am I doing this? Well, I know why I'm doing this. It's because I want to perfect my craft, and I want something to, you know, keep doing something that I'm passionate about. Because one day I want to turn this all into a career. But I got to perfect my perfect my craft, and I got to start small with this. And that's all. That's always what Nick told me. Like, this is not this is not to get you famous. This is to make you better at what you want to do. To at what you want to do to get famous. So I keep at it, and I. Have and again, if I ever feel like I'm not, if I ever feel like I'm not in the mood to upload a podcast, I think about what Nick always said to me. He said, "You have to keep at it. The viewers aren't gonna come. They probably won't ever come when I'm in high school. Like it's just not sports podcast as a high schooler. It's kind of hard to market that. But you know, your time will come, and I really feel like my time will come. And it's all dedicated to him. He." uh I miss him a lot, but it's, I think I can get through it, and I think Nick knows that what I can do in life, and my, the career that I want, I think he knows that I can do it too, and I know I can do it, and I think everybody that listens to this podcast has confidence in me, and that's all I, that's all I want, but nothing meant more to me than Nick's confidence in me. So, Nick, rest in peace. Uh, and I'll see you again. Well, I feel like I have to address the elephant in the room. Three weeks ago, the Packers lost. I predicted them to win the Super Bowl. I predicted them to beat the 49ers handily. And it was looking like that after the first drive. But that game was just so unbelievably bizarre. Like, I just could not believe what I was watching towards the end. Like, I, I said this, like, even after they blocked the punt and took that in for six, I still felt like we were going to win. 
We had four minutes on the clock, and Rodgers, although he wasn't having a good game, I just felt like like Lambeau, he's got the home, home field advantage right now. I think he'll put together a good drive, and we can ice this game. Then we go three and out, and I'm just like, what the hell? I knew we were the better team. I felt that we were the better team the entire game. The defense did not give up a touchdown. That is something that just doesn't happen in Packer playoffs game. Packer playoff games. It just doesn't happen. Packer defenses never play like that, and they did. And Aaron Rodgers still could not find a way to win that game. Like there has to be a lot of blame dished out to a lot of people, including Mo Drayton, who's no longer the special teams coordinator. Thank God it's Rich Bisaccia, Rich Rich Bisaccia. but like, come on, Rodgers, that that performance was unacceptable. Just can't that just can't happen. And Lafleur, he got conservative in his play calling. I told a lot of people this, like after that first drive, the Packers just got way too confident in themselves. They played way too conservative. And they were they were essentially playing the entire game like they were up 30, not that they were up a touchdown. That's just what it came down to. They just did not play competitive football after the first two drives. It was insane how dormant our offense was. And then we get that one lucky, lucky play to Aaron Jones where he breaks wide open, which should have been a touchdown, but Rodgers did not lead him upfield. Jones had to make an adjustment. I also don't know why he cut inside. He should have just went straight to the sideline. He probably would have. He maybe would have scored, but at least would have gotten to the inside the five. And then the kick gets blocked, and that field goal turns out to be a turns out to be a big three points that ended in the game. That would have helped. But it's just uh, guys. I just don't know how much how many of these Packer losses I can take. I don't know. Like every year especially the past 2 years like i i kid you not after the packers after the seahawks loss in 20 in the 2015 NFC championship game i never felt like the packers ever had the team that could really make really make, win a super bowl i just never felt that like even the run the table year when we got so incredibly hot i just felt like we're going up against the falcons they're they're the better team than us and at some point we just got to fall on we're going to fall on our sword and we did and then we missed the playoffs the next two years. Then the floor comes. And that first year, I never felt like that team was really quite... That team just never really felt that talented. And really didn't look like a 13-3 and team. And it showed against the 49ers. And then the next year, this is when I really got, like... This is when I really got too confident. Like, we got MVP Rodgers. Two straight years. These two... I'm talking about the two team, last pack, last two Packer teams. Rodgers wins MVP both years. Defense look looks competent. We got weapons all over the field. Great play caller. And we still couldn't get it done. And every year, every single year, it ends just in the the, the loss is so shocking. It really is shocking, and and what bugs me even more is that every usually every single Packer playoff loss, like the blame, like it's just so, so many little things, so many little things that I can point to, where if that doesn't happen, we probably win the game. 49ers, like if that if that punt doesn't get blocked, like if we just make a competent, if we just if the special teams is competent, we probably win. 
I, like I can be kind of, like we make a field goal, don't get a punt blocked. The defense was playing well. Like I, we probably win that game. And e- d- despite Aaron Rodgers, that that one's t- that's uh, that uh, that is out of spite of a poor Aaron Rodgers performance. Then last year, like uh, if Scotty Miller doesn't break wide open on in, when he, Kevin King is single covered on him and there's no deep safety, you can point to that. You can point to Rodgers throwing interception at the end of half in that game that should have been called that should have been shouldn't have even happened because of the holding call on Alan Lazard. You can point to that. Uh, not ki- not going for it instead of kicking the field going for it instead of kicking the field but you can point to that like and then now the 49ers lost in 2019 that was just pure just talent beating talent beating less talent and then the and, it pack, and then the NFC championship game the Cardinals NFC NFC divisional like I I don't know how many of these losses I can take and I already told myself after the game like I will never get excited for a Packers season until they get to a Super Bowl that's just, I just feel like that's a lie. Uh, they're probably, if Rodgers comes back, they're probably going to be fucking good next year. Well, if Rodgers is back, I feel like Devontae will be back and will be good. And then in the playoffs, they'll just break my heart again. Like, I can never get excited for them ever again. Because no matter how good they are, they always find some way to choke it. And it's... It's that that's the bittersweetness of being a Packer fan. You get really good football. You will ne- you don't as long as Aaron Rodgers is under center, you will never get bad football. But your punishment in the playoffs, you have to end your season in utter despair. <sighs> and that's me riffing on that loss. And I I honestly I could not believe it. I really felt so confident going into that game. And I don't know. Maybe I don't know why I was. I really don't know why I was. Whatever. Fuck that shit. All right. Let's get into a lighter topic. Uh, I'm gonna do my top five least favorite athletes. Now, these are mostly uh, these are mostly Wisconsin sports athletes, cause like those are athletes that I watch every single like I watched consistently and just consistently were terrible or made me pissed any in any way, shape, or form. Top five least favorite athletes. One of them is not a Wisconsin sport athlete. I just never liked him. Alright, let's um might as well get into that right now. Alright, so top five least favorite athletes. Number five, Sean Markham. Now most of you don't know who this guy is. Sean Markham was a pitcher for the Brewers in, I think it was from twenty eleven to twenty thirteen. Anyways, I swear this fucker never had a good outing in his entire career in a Brewer uniform. I swear to God. Because when, when I was in early elementary school, which is when Sean Markham was playing for the Brewers, I watched a shit ton of Brewers baseball. Like, they were my team outside of the Packers. I think I cared about them more than any other team. I don't know what it was with me in baseball, but, like, when I was a kid, I loved baseball so much. And I watched a lot of Brewers baseball. Kind of lost my love for them, just because I just because the more I watch baseball, the more I realize how mind-numbingly boring it is. So yeah, but uh, Sean Markham hated him every single time I watched that fucker pitch. He could not give me a good outing, and what really pisses me off is he was the starter. Wait, 
No, he wasn't. No, no. He came in, he came in, I think, in the fourth in the fourth inning. But like 2011, the Brewers had a tremendous team. Ryan Braun won MVP. Prince Fielder was hitting really well. He was an all-star. Ricky Weeks was an all-star. They had a really good team. And it's game six, I believe, of the NL NL NLCS. The National League Championship Series. Game six. It's in Miller Park. And uh, Sean Markham comes in. I think the game is relatively close. And Sean Markham comes in in, I think, the fourth inning. Why? Ron Renneke was the, was the manager. Why are you putting... I don't know if he started or came into the fourth. He, he pitched. I don't know if Giovanni Gallardo might have started. I'm not sure. But he, if he did, if Giovanni Gallardo started, he didn't pitch very long. Sean Markham comes in, and I think he gave up two, maybe three home runs. And it just made my blood boil. Like, why are you putting such an ass arm out there just to like? You know, you know he's not gonna. You know he's not gonna give you good stuff. He hadn't given good. He hadn't given you good stuff all season. That was one of that. That was, man. And after that, like the next two years he's on the Brewers. The Brewers were really ass after that year, after the 2011 year, because Ryan Braun got caught with steroids and he wasn't playing much. So I mean, the whole team was just terrible. The whole team got blown up. Prince Fielder had to leave. It was just that was the one year we could have could have potentially won a World Series. And for some reason, Ron Renicki put Sean Markham on the bump. And it ended up terribly, like we all knew it would be. So, for number five is Sean Markham. Number four, Chris Anderson. For those of you who don't know, Chris Anderson was the tatted-up Mohawk dude on the Heat team with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. I hated Chris Anderson. And you want to know why? Because I was a young kid, young elementary school kid, and I saw a guy with mo- with a mohawk and tats, and I was like, "Ew!" Like, fuck that guy. I, I I don't know what it was. I just didn't like tats. I honestly still don't love tats, but like, when you have that many tats, there's no way. You, and he's got that fucking obnoxious haircut. There is no way you can like watching that. And not only that, he was just a cocky bastard. I loved when that. I loved when Paul George fucking dunked on that guy. It was. It made me so happy. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was that I hated about him. Like, when I was a kid, I, di- I didn't really have reasons to hate guys other than, like, maybe I judged their appearance or they were just so bad that I noticed it and I was just like, yeah, I hate that guy. That's what that's what Sean Markham was to me. I just noticed how bad he was. And as a kid, I wasn't really doing much analysis into the game, but you didn't have to put much analysis into Sean Markham and Chris Anderson. Neither of them had talent. Chris Anderson had zero talent, but he was just obnoxious. Just, they called him Birdman. Just he was just an obnoxious character. Just the way he looked, the way he tried to play basketball. Just never liked him. And I can't really put into, go into much analysis on that, just because like, just because I was like I was a young kid, and I, whenever I watched the Heat in the playoffs, I just Chris Anderson was not a guy that I was a fan of. All right, number three, I'm going Marcus Howard, and it's I, I feel like I can't put Marcus Howard on this list. I will, and I and I did, because I I really. Didn't have much. I really didn't have much against Marcus Howard as the player, but I hate Marquette basketball, and he was the catalyst of Marquette basketball for what five, four years. I don't know if he retro eh, four years, but like, but basically, the reason why the, the my the, what the root of my hate came. I was a freshman, and Ethan Happ was in his senior year, and Marcus Howard was in his senior year, 
And for some reason, me and my friends just were, like, super into college basketball this year. I, for some reason, was like, I love college basketball, and I'm a a huge Wisconsin Badger basketball fan. But, like, this year was so weird. I was just a – I loved Ethan Happ. Like, he was my – he's my favorite college – He's my favorite college basketball player of all time. I couldn't tell you why. I, I couldn't tell you why, but I just loved his game. He couldn't shoot, but he could literally do everything you want as a big man. He could handle the ball. He played. He had point guard passing skills, and he just had unreal post moves. So I was a big was a big fan of Ethan Happ, and and I had friends that were I had friends that were Marquette fans, and Marcus Howard obviously was the was the best player in Marquette. He scored a lot, shot a lot of deep threes, and I just could not stand him because everyone liked Marcus Howard. And I said, no, Ethan Happ is better. And they were like, no, Marcus Howard's better. He shoots so well. I'm like, yeah, well, Ethan Happ's better than better than him at everything else, even though they're two literally incomparable players. One's a guard, one, one's a big man. But, like, I hated Marquette, and I loved Ethan Happ, and then all the Marquette fans that I was friends with loved Marcus Howard and hated Ethan Happ. So the reason why I hated Marcus Howard I just I just love to argue that Ethan Happ's better, even though like you, you, that's such a hard argument to make. But yeah, I Marcus Howard is number three. Really don't have much hate of I I really don't have much hate on him as a person and a player. I just fucking argued so much against Marquette basketball. I always like big arguments for who's better, Marquette or Wisconsin, and the two best players on that team on those teams are Ethan Happ and Marcus Howard. So lot gotta have those arguments. And that's where it came from. All right, number two, Eric Bledsoe. Now we all we all remember when uh, Eric Bledsoe was traded to the Bucks. It was the first, probably big, like probably relatively big NBA like trade midseason trade that any Wisconsin sports team has ever ever made in my lifetime. Like, I was in seventh grade, I think, or eighth grade. I'm not sure. Whatever. It does, it, that's that's besides the point. And I'm in, I'm in Mr. I was in eighth grade. I was in Mr. Rush's uh Mr. Rush's uh social studies class, and I look on my phone. I'd heard rumors that the Bucks were trading for Eric Bledsoe, and Eric Bledsoe was a one-time All-Star. He was a solid player for the Suns, averaged about 18 points a game, and I was a huge and I just I just liked him. So, and then I get get a notification: the Bucks have traded for Eric Bledsoe. The Bucks finally the Bucks a Wisconsin sports team finally made a mid-season trade. For like a good player, it was insane. Like we, the, all my friends went nuts. We all went crazy. We traded for like an all-star caliber player. We and and like, and this is Carter, one of Carter Carter's favorite players of all time. Like, and I don't know why, but like, when I when I talk when you want to talk about disappointment, I thought this guy was amazing, and then I watch him closely in. I believe it was the Celtics series that year. It was it was Eric Bledsoe's first Celt- it was Eric Bledsoe's first playoff series with the Bucks. They were playing the Celtics. Bucks were a seven seed, and Eric Bledsoe's out here getting cooked by Terry Rozier, and then he starts beef with him like he doesn't know who he is, and then he ends up losing the series anyways. After that, I was like, oh, maybe we may have overrated this guy too much. And then after that, it was just fuck. The guy could not shoot. He was undersized. He played great defense, but still undersized. So it really, like, it really kind of that. That's all. That's what killed him. Like he could play great defense, but only on a, like a guard. He, it's not like Drew Holiday, who can play defense 
one to four. And, uh, yeah, and couldn't shoot, uh, was kind of like a liability, was kind of li- of a liability on offense at times in the playoffs because, you know, when teams put a wall up on Giannis, Eric Bledsoe, like, you need to step up, you and Chris. Sometimes Chris would, but Eric Bledsoe never could. And, like, in his, in the era of, in, in the area of, in the era of Eric Bledsoe Bucks basketball, you can point to him deserving a mass majority of the blame for a lot of our playoff playoff losses. Celtics, a lot of a lot of blame can go to Eric Bledsoe for not playing competent defense on Terry Rozier, and just not even being like a great offensive player whatsoever. Next year against the Raptors, we're up 2-0, and then they start, and then the then the Raptors start to figure Giannis out. Eric Bledsoe shot, I think, 30%, 35% from the field. And then it was like, what, 20% from three? Like, it was horrendous. Not even, uh, although, you, the thing is, you could point to a lot of people for being the blame of that. Like, holy fuck, Burke Lopez was shit. Chris Middleton was pretty bad. Like, it, there's a lot of blame, but Eric Bledsoe deserved a lot of that. And then the next year, the same shit happens against the Heat. Giannis gets stopped. And Eric Bledsoe just cannot step up. It pissed me off. Like, you want to talk about a three-player? He was the definition of a three-player. Like, but but the problem the problem was with him being a three-player is once your one kind of gets shut down, and Giannis doesn't get shut down anymore, but, like, there was a time where he was getting shut down in the playoffs. Eric Bledsoe, you're the two now. You need to step up with with Chris Middleton, and Chris Middleton so hot and cold in the was so hot and cold in the playoffs. Like Eric Bledsoe was looked looked upon to be the guy, and he could not be the guy, and that that made me so angry. And luckily, we traded him for we traded him and got Drew Holiday, and now we're all smooth sailing. So number one, we all know how much I how much us Packer fans hate this man. Number one is Ladarius Gunter, the worst football player I have ever watched with my own two eyes. Ladarius Gunter is, uh, uh, I can't even like, he got drafted, I think in 2014 or 2015, and somehow our cornerback room was so bad that he just gets thrust into the number one spot in 2016, like he is our number one corner, and I had never seen that guy I can't think of one time Ladarius Gunner ever got a pick. I can't think of one. I, there are so many times that I saw that man on the ground, burned, burnt like toast, and just cannot guard, cannot guard a chair. Like, I, 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 sometimes I have to just like, I sometimes I go to bed like saying a prayer to Aaron Rodgers for how he was able to win so many games in that stretch, knowing our secondary was so incredibly shit. We had good safeties, but our corners cannot guard anyone. We had Quentin Rollins, Demarius Randall, Ladarius Gunner, obviously, Dimitri Goodson, like just so many bums at corner. And for some reason, Ladarius Gunner is number one, guarding the best receiver every single game and just getting absolutely cooked. And there's two games that stick out to me with Ladarius Gunner. We all know the second one, so I'm just going to say the first one right, right away here. And the games were actually two games in a row. And it actually, I think it forced the Darius Gunner to get cut. He might have played one more year, but I think he got cut after these. It's 26, 2017. 
NFC Divisional against the Cowboys. The Packers are on an absolute hot streak. Aaron Rodgers was has been thrust into the MVP conversation, and Ladarius Gunner is going up against Des Bryant, who has been in a decline since that crazy 2014 season. And I think Ladarius Gunner gave up over 100 yards, two touchdowns to Des Bryant. Could not, could not even sniff him. Because once, once Dak actually started getting going, he was targeting Des Bryant most of the game. And who was on him? Yeah, no, none other than number 36, Ladarius Gunner. So that, that game sticks out to me like a sore thumb. But nothing will ever stick out more than his effort against Julio Jones in the 2017 NFC Championship game. Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers didn't play that great. But holy fuck, how what are you supposed to do when your when your defense gives up 40 points and one of your corners is out here man to man, one on one against the best receiver in the league at that time, and he gives up over 200 yards to him, over 200 yards and two touchdowns. Like I can, I will never understand Dom Capers just refusing to make any sort of change at corner. Like, nope, we are sticking with Ladarius Gunner. He is going to take Julio Jones to school. No, that was never going to happen. Julio Jones made him his son. We all remember the one play where Julio Jones, I think it was like a 70-yard touchdown. Julio Jones stiff-arms Ladarius Gunner to the earth and takes it for six. I just felt so helpless as a Packer fan knowing that we will never win this game as long as 36 is guarding 11. And it never seemed to make a change. And the Matt Ryan and Julio Jones had their fun, and they killed us. And I don't blame them. When you got that much of a liability on the field, you have to take it. Okay. I That's enough riffing on those guys. I mean, I just... I hate those five guys. It really, I really, really do hate them. And I had to make a top five list explaining why. All right, so the NFL season over, so no pick four parlay. However, gambling does not die. The next segment, I will be talking about my new app, Prize Picks, which is perfectly legal, so I can tell you now that it's not hypothetical. It is, perf- it is me telling you what my picks are for the night. I make pick four picks, player props for NBA games, and I will let you know that next. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a historic day because I am no longer doing Juice's hypothetical pick four parlay now. It is now Juice's pick four parlay. Yes, I am on a perfectly legal, perfectly normal website called Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a very easy way to gamble and lose your money, potentially win, but most of the time lose, uh, you have to be 18, you have to have a debit card connected to the account, and essentially you log onto the app, and the app gives you over-under picks for certain players, and you just make a parlay out of it, if you pick four players for a parlay, it's $100, pick three, it's fi- it's 50, I don't know, the, the numbers, you can crunch them, but you can go all the way up to five. So, tonight, um... When I got some, you know, money in my account, I like to splurge, you know, splurge on some uh, different, you know, a couple different uh, games, mostly NBA games, because the NFL is no longer going around. I'm just going to share with you what I have tonight. So, to start, whenever the Bucks play, I tend to, you know, 
bet on those games. It makes the game more interesting when I'm when I'm watching them, obviously, because I'm a huge Bucks fan. But you know, just adding a little gambling to that makes it more interesting. So tonight, Giannis will be playing. Yesterday he was out. Today he's playing. I have him over 10 rebounds. Giannis is going up against a very terrible front court of the Indiana Pacers. Golga and Jalen Smith aren't going to get it done. I think Giannis will be crashing the boards, and I could see that hitting around uh, early for- third quarter. O'Shea Brissett, over 12.5 points. By the way, I usually only bet overs on here, because who likes to cheer for a player to not do well? That's just not fun. Uh, so, anyways... O'Shea Brissett, over twelve and a half points. Chris Duarte is out. You know, he's the kind of he's kind of their second second scorer outside of Tyrese Halliburton. And uh, you know, O'Shea Brissett kinda of, they him and him and O'Shea Brissett kind of the same role. So I think with Chris Duarte out, I think O'Shea Brissett, twelve and a half points is a good number for him. Uh Drew Holiday over six and a half assists. Giannis is back. Giannis is playing tonight, and he didn't hit oh, he didn't get over six and a half assists last night, but games before that, he was hitting that pretty consistently, and that's because Giannis is the easiest guy to get assists to, you, you, whether it's the pick and roll or give it to him in the post and he does a fadeaway, he scores in so many ways, and I think Drew will hit over six and a half assists tonight, and then lastly, Tyrese Halliburton, this is my, fit. this is my, this might be my lock of the parlay, Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton, over 27 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists. Since Tyrese has joined the Pacers, he has smashed this number. It's been it, it originally started at the mid twenties, about twenty five and a half, and it's been gone up only one point. It should be at least thirty two and a half because Tyrese is the Pacers' entire offense. He has the ball at least seventy percent of the time, and he gets boards, he gets assists, he can score, he does it all. Twenty seven and a half is a very low number. Give me Tyrese to go over on that. So that is my. That will be uh, my my pick for parlay tonight. Very, very, uh, very happy about it. And, uh, you know, my friend Matt Wimmer, big Pacer fan, going to be watching the game with him and a couple other guys tonight. When you, let me just say this, everyone, when you were um, watching NBA games with your friends, go on Prize Picks and put a little put a little chatter on it. It makes the game so much more exhilarating. We all know. NBA regular season basketball needs to get a little more exhilaration into it. So that's just one of the picks that I share with you that I'm going to share with you. I have a plethora of other ones, but it's just some of them I don't even really have an explanation for. I just want to win some cash. Okay, so thank you again for listening today. It was a very sentimental episode. Again, I shared with you the loss and the passing of my older brother Nick. And he's going to be missed dearly around the Nina community and in our family. But we know he's in a better place. And uh, he no longer has to suffer. So, with that being said, sorry I'm sucking on Jolly Rancher. Chance, take us out. I will see you guys next week. Thirsty, thirsty, try to choose. I mean, I know I'm critical. My nitty bag, my kitty boots. I got the juice, I got the juice. Channel, Chatham's on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kinda glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my.